series called Building a Community Center. And we talked about last week that the idea is, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who try to build it. This is a work that God does. Not that we're talking about something that we are going to do, but what God is doing in building a community and putting his son at the center of that community and how we cooperate with him and in, in seeing that happen. Uh, and, and last week we talked about when God builds a community, when he is building this in the center of that community, he is trying to make it a perfect community. It started perfect. Then with the fall of mankind, uh, now he is bringing it back to perfection. And only he is capable of doing that. And today we talk about how when God is building community, it is a growing community. How we know it is a community that God uh, is putting together uh, and him being in the center of it. When God is in the center of the community, it is a community that grows both in depth and spiritual depth and also numerically all throughout Scripture and all throughout history. Whenever God has been doing something, he has added people to the mix because that's the whole point. The purpose is, is that he is expanding his kingdom. There are people he wants to reach, people he loves, just like he brought us in and loved us enough to bring us in. Uh, he loves others and wants to bring others in. And uh, I appreciated this video at the beginning just because of uh, showing the diversity of people. It was having lunch with a, a missionary on Friday and well, a church planner, and uh, we were sitting there eating lunch together, and the people at the table next to us were French. I assume they were French. They were all speaking French. And uh, the rough part is, is that I, I studied French for four years and even taught elementary French and uh, still couldn't understand a word they were saying. I, uh, I just, but I was laboring. Think, I wanted to lean over and say, hey, I want to listen in on your conversation. Could you speak slower and enunciate more clearly? Uh, but they, they kept talking, but it, but it did make me aware that as we sat there talking and they sat there talking that even though we're right there next to each other, we are in two completely different worlds. And that's the way the church is. A lot of times is we, there are thousands of people that we could be adding to our number. There are, there are more than enough people to fit in or to fill every church we have in Hardin County and to start new ones. But what happens is, is we all are sitting and talking to each other and we're in a conversation, speaking our language, talking about things that we are familiar with, talking about things that are that resonate with us. And the world is having their conversation, talking about things that interest them. And are, and we're right there next to each other, but we're not really even paying attention that the other one is there. They're not interested in what we're talking about. We're not interested in what they're talking about. And because we are not engaging them, uh, that's why churches aren't growing. And what God would, in, in God's growing community, what he would have us do is, is to realize how we got here is the same way they will get here. Someone had to reach into darkness and pull us out. And in the same way we were rescued, uh, others need to be rescued. So we're going to look at attributes of what it looks like in God's growing community, what that looks like. And, and Paul gives us a great example in Ephesians chapter 2. Because as he's talking to the churches at Ephesus, and, and, the, and the letter to Ephesus was kind of a circular letter, meaning it, it wasn't written to one specific church. It was written and circulated amongst churches in this region. And one of the things that Paul was trying to highlight was that 
Um, you had, when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus was a Jew. And his message at first was primarily to the Jewish people. All his 12 apostles were all Jewish people. And, uh, and to be Jewish, is to understand what that means to be Jewish, you have to understand that when you're reading the Old Testament and the 12 tribes of Israel, those are not Jewish people. Those are Hebrew people. They're the tribes of Israel. Out of the 12 tribes, after Solomon's son, Rehoboam, split the kingdom, they formed two, 10, 10 tribes basically went to the northern kingdom and two went below to form Judah. And then you have, so you have Israel, which is the northern kingdom, and Judah, which is the southern kingdom. Israel, the 10 tribes that made Israel were pagan. They followed false gods from the, from the inception. And, and they never worshipped in the temple anymore. And so they, they began to uh, follow false gods. And then they were judged by the Assyrians and then eventually the Babylonians. The southern kingdom kind of went back and forth, vacillating between paganism and, and true worship. And you had some good kings in there that, uh, that came after. Uh, you have kings like Josiah and so forth that were good kings. And then you have bad kings. And, and so there was a struggle back and forth, but ultimately resulted in their judgment when they were captured by the Babylonians. When Nehemiah returned and built the, the temple back, it was a restoration of the southern kingdom. The walls are around Jerusalem. And so they were then known as Jews because they were from, primarily from the tribe of Judah, even though Benjamites were a part of it, Paul being a Benjamite. Uh, but they, he would be connected with the tribe of Judah, so he would also be referred to as Jewish. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's part of the Jewish people. And they believed that out of, since David, King David, was of the tribe of Judah, they believed the Messiah also would be of the tribe of Judah. They believed that they were the answer, that they were going to be the redemption of God's people. So it's a very specific, isolated group of people. And in the temple, there were barriers that kept these people separated from what, what, the other ten tribes were then re- referred to as Samaritans. And if you're familiar with the Bible, New Testament at all, you realize there's enmity between Jewish people and Samaritans. They did not like each other. And so these are other Israelites. These are Israelites who intermarried. And so Jewish people don't like Samaritans. But even beyond that is us, the Gentiles, the Greek people, everybody else in the world, basically. And so... Jewish people kept themselves secluded from these people. Even today, uh, when, I, when I went to the Holy Land, we were there when a Hasidic Jew, an Orthodox Jewish person was coming to pray at the Wailing Wall. They made sure that none of, none of us, unclean Gentile people, were close to him or could talk to him, for sure didn't want us to touch him. And so there's still this barrier between the Jewish people and us. So when Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus, he's talking about the fact that Jesus has come and removed these barriers. So look at this as we look at this passage together, chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. He says, when the Messiah came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. 
So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord. You also are being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, so much for your word. And Lord, today, may, may Paul's message to the churches at Ephesus ring true to us today. And Lord, that is that you are growing a church, a church filled with all kinds of people, that barriers have been removed. And those of us who were far away are now brought near. And may we, may we get that message out to the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that is so important to understand, a characteristic of God's church, of God's community, is that it is a place for everyone. In every church we've ever pastored, this is something that was beaten into me when I was being mentored in faith and, and something that we want to communicate clearly to every church where we go. is when we talk about the body of Christ, when we talk about this church, when we talk about any church, we want to let the world know that it is a place for everyone. Now, we struggle with this because we live in a culture, as do many people live in cultures, where there are still a lot of barriers, where there are still a lot of walls that divide people, where there are, uh, whether it's racism or bigotry or prejudice or whatever it is, just traditions, cultural differences. They form barriers between us and other people. Just as we were sitting at that table on Friday, and, and they're right there next to us. There's a barrier, language barrier between two of us where I, we can't engage them and they can't engage us. There, there are, but there are many more differences that keep us apart. Sometimes within your own home. Sometimes generational barriers that separate children from parents and grandparents. And... And we, we see these things, we feel these things, but one thing we need to remind, be reminded of on a regular basis is that that is not characteristic of God's church, of God's community. That when we all are finally redeemed and when we all ascend to heaven to be with him and dwell with him for all eternity, there will not be barriers of distinction. We will all be one. We'll all be connected together. It'll be a place for everybody. And this was a hard thing for me to understand because whether we realize it or not, we, when you grow up a Southern Baptist, as I did, or you or grow up in even a, any type of traditional church, you grow up Methodist or in the Christian church or Church of Christ or whatever, there's a certain amount of believing that heaven was made for us, that heaven was made for people like us, that people who grow up in church and, and we are Christians and, and in other countries, they believe this. When we traveled overseas, one thing we didn't realize was when you go into Muslim countries, they don't believe you're Muslim necessarily because of what you practice. They believe you're Muslim because you were born Muslim and you're Christian because you're born Christian. So they don't understand why would a Christian be wanting to convert a Muslim? Why don't you just simply talk to other Christians, people who are born Christian? I didn't have any problem with people who wanted to convert to Islam, but beside the point. But the, but the thing is, is that we start thinking like that, that we're born this way, that we come into this world. I was born a Christian parent, so I'm a Christian. We don't 
articulate those things, but we practice life like that. We practice life like that. Like these people are not followers of Christ and they're happy, so we just leave them that way. Leave them that way. And not realizing that God loves them and has a home for them, an eternal home for them, and wants them to be part of his home. Someone asked me once, do I believe that Mormons can go to heaven? And I said, so you're asking, do I believe Mormons can go to heaven? Do I believe Muslims can go to heaven? Do I believe Buddhists can go to heaven? Do I believe homosexuals can go to heaven? Do I believe that people of any race, creed, or origin can go to heaven? You know what my answer is always and unequivocally? Yes. Yes. Because none of us can go to heaven unless Jesus changes us. But when Jesus changes us, we are all fit for heaven. It is a place for everyone. And we need to communicate that. Because there's so many people out there who may not be Muslim or Buddhist, but they believe that they ever showed, set foot, they'll say these words when I visit. If I ever set foot in that building, the roof would fall in. Did you ever say that about yourself? Or you know people who would say that? The reason why they say that is, is because they believe they're not the type of person who belongs here. And so it would just throw everything off. It would upset the balance of the structure if they were to show up and come inside. We do not want that to be the message of God's church. We want to be the message is, no, 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 no. Absolutely, there is a place for you. It is a place for everyone. Look what Paul says in verse 17. He says, when the Messiah came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away. That's us, actually. We were the ones who were far away. And peace to those who were near. Those are the Jewish people. So those who were already close to God, being his chosen people, and those who were far away from God, who didn't even think about God, or who were completely pagan, people who worshiped false gods, people who were idolatrous, people who were agnostic or atheist or whatever. The Messiah came to proclaim good news to all those people, peace, that we are to be restored to him. And then he says in verse 18, for through him, for through Jesus... We both, both those who are far away and both those who are near, both Gentiles and Jews alike, have access by one spirit to the Father. That means we all get there the same way. Now, this is very, very important. That means that if you meet someone who's atheist, they don't have to become Baptist to get into heaven. They have to be changed by Jesus to get into heaven. The same spirit that gets you in is the same spirit that gets them in. All of us. They don't have to become like us. They have to be changed by the same God who changed us. That's how people are saved. And we realize that. We realize that that opens the door for a lot of people. A lot of people. I've been asked if these certain type of people would be allowed to come inside and worship with us or to hear the gospel. Everyone is welcome to hear the word of God proclaimed. Everyone. So we need to find spirit-empowered ways 
to remove barriers between us and Jesus and between others and us. That means that whatever is hindering us from connecting to Jesus, whatever's that can be sin. Anything, any sin in my life that is hindering me, any unforgiveness, any hatred, any malice, any prejudice, any bigotry, any racism, anything like that that's inside me, those things need to be removed so that I can have unhindered access to Christ, so that I can be one with Christ, so that I can be filled with his spirit and walk with him. I can't do that on my own. I can't change those things on my own. Some of those things were embedded in me. Some of those things are just a part of my flesh. But the Spirit empowers me to overcome those things. You know, people who have hurt us, it's, it's not just easy just to forgive and forget when people have really hurt us. But the Spirit empowers us to forgive. The Spirit empowers us to love others. To love God. And so when you identify something that's hindering someone when says, well, I, I can't come because of the way I look. I can't come because of the way I dress. I can't come because of, of the way I grew up. I can't come because of my heritage. I can't come because of I grew up this. We need to find ways to take those barriers out of the way and just give people unhindered access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the spirit of God will show us how to do that because there is a place for everyone. Another characteristic of God's community, his growing community, is that we fit. We all fit together. Now, I thought when I thought of we fit, I thought of the game, we fit. I don't know if you had one of these. We bought one of these years ago uh, for our family. And uh, it's a little white pad that you put on the floor and you exercise with it. And you can bowl with it, play tennis with it, but anything. And did exercises on it. It was called a we, W-I-I, fit. But it, it, that was just... It's just a memory device, so if, just so I could remember this, this point. This is what it made me remember, is that when I look at people and think they don't belong, and I don't know if you ever do that, I don't know if you ever look at people and think, this person just doesn't belong. They just don't fit. They don't fit in. It's so tempting to do that. It's so tempting to say, I wish they would go somewhere else. I wish, and, not, and maybe not to another church, but sometimes people are in my life. And it's like, I wish they would find somebody's, somebody else's life to be a part of. Because they just, they're not like me. They don't like the same things I like. They don't enjoy the same things I like. And I, I, and I just want to avoid people like that. And yet, God shows us that we fit together. That we fit together. I, I had a friend um, when we were, um, I say friend and friend, I use the term loosely, but, uh, there was a young man before I got married that, uh, he was a little bit older than me. He was just different. And my mother always taught us to be nice to everybody. <laughs> you know, Jared, mom like that. So we were nice to everybody. We tried to be cordial and nice. And I was nice to this guy and talked to him. And he took that as I wanted to be his best friend, I guess. And so he followed me everywhere I went. He just liked to be around me. I, he had no other friends. And that just got old because he was, he was strange. You know, he did strange things. He had a strange laugh. He was very backwards and, and talked weird and, and, and things like this. And it's so, you know, in, in, your, as a late, in my late teens, I'm in college. I'm trying to impress the ladies. I don't know any way to say that. Yet he's with me, you know, and he's just odd. And I think he's really cramping my style. And so I just, let's just tell you, I was... One day I was out, I was said, I'm going to go. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to go shoot some basketball. He's like, can I go? And I know he's not athletic. I know he doesn't like sports. And I'm like, well, you don't even like basketball. He goes, I just want to watch you shoot. 
that's just weird. You know, I don't like people to, that's just, you don't go out with a buddy and say, hey, can I watch you shoot a basketball? That's, you know, that's just strange. So he's with me as I'm shooting basketball. I'm thinking, I got to get rid of him. I don't know how to get rid of him. And being a good Southern Baptist boy, I thought of something. A witness to him. People hate to be witnessed to. And so I'm just going to start sharing Jesus with him until he gets so uncomfortable, he'll just leave me alone. And so I do. It was the absolute worst gospel presentation ever made. Something akin to, you know what? Do you, did anybody ever tell you you're going to go to hell? You know, uh, and, and, and go from there. Just to make it, and, and it's like, you know, I talk about, and I talk about how hard it is to be a Christian and how much he'll hate it. Because he starts talking about, you know, I've thought about becoming a Christian. You know, you, I don't think you could do it. That's how I started. I don't think you're capable of being a Christian. It's so hard. You got to go to church and you got to love people and you got to do all these different things. It's really, it's miserable and so forth. But then he just, he starts weeping and he gets convicted. And he's like, I really, really, really want to do this. He goes, I want to pray to receive Jesus. And I'm like, and then I'm thinking, this is my thought. This is how bad it is. I thought. Now I'm stuck with him. He's going to get saved. And now I'm going to have to disciple him. And it's like, um, it's like, how do you get out of that? But here's what God showed me. He used me and my horrible self to reach this person for the kingdom. Because here's the mistake I made. When he asked, can I hang out with you today? I said, yes. And that's all God needed me to do. Just simply say yes. Even though I butchered it. And and it was like God was saying, I'm not going to let you mess this up. (laughs) I'm going to show you this is absolutely nothing to do with your skills and everything to do with what I want to do because I want to save that man. And I just need a warm body to do it with. And you're that warm body if you'll just say yes. Paul says, In verse 8, 19, he says, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household. Something, and and made that way, not by anything we've done, but what God has done, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Jesus is the one who started all this. And think about Jesus getting his apostles. They weren't coming looking for him. He went after them. You know, Andrew, they were, they were drawn to him. When John the Baptist pointed out who he was, Andrew was drawn to him, went and got his brother and brought him to him. But others, Jesus just showed up and said, hey, I want you to follow me. People who were, by no rational explanation, would be chosen to be apostles of Christ. But he says, the whole building being put together by him. By him. You know, you may think, Somebody won you to the Lord, and you may give that person some credit for that, but that's credit that's misplaced because it wasn't that person. It was the Lord who brought you into his fold. It's Jesus himself who seeks after us and uses just willing participants to go and share his good news with others and then bring them in. And that's all he's asking from us. He's just looking for asking us to look in the lives of other people and see how we can fit into their lives. Fit into their lives, connecting us together. 
So here's what we do as a result. We find spirit-enabled ways to fit inside the lives of other Jesus followers. All we're looking are for people who say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And then we just engage, get into their life, just hang out with them, share what we know. Sometimes it's just starting up conversations. And, and really, that's all we're doing is we're trying to find out if they're interested in following Christ. We don't make them follow Christ. There are people out there that the Spirit of God is working with who want to follow Christ. Just like Philip goes out into the middle of the desert and there's an Ethiopian eunuch who's reading Isaiah. And, and, he's, and, he, and Philip's like, can I help you? And he's like, yes, you can help me. And he winds up putting his faith in Christ and getting baptized out there in the desert. Why? Because God was working him and he got Philip there. And all Philip had to do was say, yes, I will talk to this guy. I will respond. I will just simply see what God is doing and and then just be there. Be there and do it. And, And so God has put people in your life. And all you and I have to do is see what God is doing. I hope you'll do better than me and do it from a good motivation, a good purpose. But really, all you have to do is just simply engage them. And saying, hey, do you know, can I talk to you about Jesus? And sometimes we, we get all like, what if I say it wrong? Well, if you, if you can say it wrong and that person ends up going to hell because of your presentation, then your theology is messed up. Because it wasn't up to you saying it right in the first place. If my salvation was contingent upon the people around me getting it right, I was in trouble from the get-go. My salvation was contingent upon the fact that God loved me enough to pursue me and make sure I heard the gospel clearly. He just brought willing people into my life. And the question is, will we be those willing people? God's going to reach his children. He's going after them. He's seeking them out. Will we go out there for him and be his voice? Will we be his hands? Will we be enabled by the spirit to get in the lives of other people? And that's how the body of Christ grows. That's how he grows it. He just simply uses us to go out and share the good news. So, so it's a place for everyone, and we all fit together. And when you see that strange person and, and you think, I don't know how they belong, I, I just want you to remember those two words, we fit. We fit. That person and me, we fit together to accomplish God's purpose. He does belong. She does belong. Then the next thing. Is it's a big house, and this is audio adrenaline. I let me, I got to do this. How many of you know who audio adrenaline is? Raise your hand. I just the difference between the first service and the service is very dramatically different. Uh, but just gonna say that's just for the record. Just had to see for myself. Uh, but uh, audio adrenaline that came out with a song years ago. Big house. They're actually from Kentucky, and and um, uh, they um, just a group. They had this song. Here's some lyrics from the song. That, in case you've never heard it, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. Big, big, supposed to be of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's my father's house. Now, this idea is taken from scripture. And, and what it is is a generation believing that God has this place for us where we all belong, where we all have fun together. We all enjoy life together forever. Now, isn't that what heaven is supposed to be? Isn't that, isn't that what we are trying to communicate to the world? Yet I think sometimes we don't do a very good job communicating that to people. 
I think if we went out and asked the world if they would want to be a part of us, what they believe is we, in order to join us, in order to be here in this place, they have to give up a life of joy and embrace a life of difficulty and suffering and misery. You know, I was raised in church and was told, you're going to go, you're going to sit there, you're going to endure it. And then we're going to get done. And then you can have a good time. But you will not have a good time at church. Period. I was pinched, squeezed, <laughs> threatened <laughs> on a regular basis <laughs> when I tried to get the yes. Again, I get a witness. The uh, scars to prove it. Because I put my time in. You know? <laughs> I can even remember these words. None of us want to listen to him, <laughs> but we do it because we love Jesus, you know, and, and maybe, you, maybe you tell your children that none of us like to hear that man preach, but we do it because we love Jesus. The world hears that message. And that's not what they need. That's not what they're looking for. They. By God's design. Have a longing for the Messiah, have a longing for Jesus. They long for joy. They long for peace. They long for kindness. They long for gentleness. They long for patience. They long for self-control. These are fruit. They long for love. These are, these are fruit of the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God, these are fruit of Christ that are supposed to be here. Look what Paul says. He says that it's a whole building being put together by him, and he says it grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord. Jesus is putting us together. He says, you also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. He is Fitting us together so that God can dwell in our midst. So when we open up and say anyone can be a part of it and people come in who don't look like they would fit together with us. And then God fits them together with us. That gives hope to people who believe they do not belong. Who do not believe they are not connected. I have had people throughout the years show up in church just to test, to see if the church would love them. And sometimes the church passed that test and sometimes it didn't. But what they were looking for and people were like, you know, they came in here and they looked the way they did and they, and they did the things they did. And I know that they, you know, I did, we just had to tell them to leave. Like, you know, and basically they're saying, we don't want those kind of people here. And the question that, would always come to mind is maybe they were looking for Jesus. And the question is, did they find him? Was it the spirit of God that asked them to leave? And maybe it was, I'm not, there's no judgment here. It's just a question I think that needs to be asked. But we need to find spirit embodied ways to show the world that we are indeed 
the dwelling place of God. That when people come here, they will find Jesus. They will find Jesus. And friends, that's not a a worship style. That's not a program. It It is simply the love of Christ. The love of Christ. I have met people in all different types of church situations. When you go overseas, they don't sing songs anything like any type of worship style in the United States. It's completely different. It could be the worst type of worship style. It could be the worst put together service. It could be the worst, least educated, least structured, whatever. But if Christ is there and people experience the love of Jesus, they will walk miles in the mud to be there, to be there. And they'll do the same here. They'll do the same here. We have to convince the world that Jesus is here, and you can't fake that. They'll come and check it out. And if we are, if we are fit together by the hand of God, obeying him, loving each other, forgiving each other, rejoicing with each other, if we do have that joy, If we do have that peace, if we do have that love, that kindness, that gentleness, that patience and self-control, if we do have these things here, they will see Jesus. They will want to be a part of this. So let me ask, do you want to be a part of that? Would you like to be part of the body of Christ? Now, this is just a question for those who are not. And, and what I mean by this is I'm not saying, do you want to be a member here? Do you want to be on a church role? I'm not, not in those terms. When we talk about being a member of God's church, being a member of Christ, I mean, do you want to know him and know his people? If you are here today and you're visiting or you're just checking us out and so forth, let me just offer this to you. Jesus is real. His love is real. His people are real. And if you will take a step of faith and say, I want to be a part of that. He has already done everything necessary for you to be a part. He has already died for your sins. His blood has been shed so that you can be forgiven. So there's, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. doesn't matter what you're going to do in the future. He's covered that. And now he asks that you take a step of faith and put your trust in him, believe in him, believe he is real, his people are real, and receive the life that he wants to give you so that you can be a part of him, that you can be fit together and you can be a part of his house for all eternity. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your love and for your grace. Lord, the mercy that you show to each and every one of us. I thank you, Father, for this body of believers. I thank you, Father, that Jesus is real in the lives of these people. Although we're not any, none of us, no one of us is perfect all the time, obviously. But Lord, thank you for giving us each other to help encourage each other to be faithful to you. Help, uh, thank you for putting people in this place who will look at one another and say, hey, is something wrong? Can I reach out? Can I love you? Can I, can I help you and encourage you? Father, thank you for 
even after mistakes have been made, that people have been forgiven, lives have been restored. And now, Lord, may we just open the doors. May we open the doors to people everywhere of all types and welcome them in to receive the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you can make all people new. And so, Father, I just pray today, if there's someone here today who needs to be made new, that they will come and receive this grace. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.